back, everyone, to the CNC replay. I'm Noel. I'm Corey. Um, and sorry for the hiatus, but there was there was a bit of a pause there. There, there was. Uh, I, I, at least on my end, I had a bachelor party in Montana. So, and I was in a national fancy. It was a bachelor party. What is the is the wedding in Montana? No. No, the wedding's oh, you not just even. Had a destination bachelor party. It's yeah, fun. the wedding, the the wedding's not even until next year. But that's besides oh the my point. Gosh. I, the, and we were there for a week. So regardless, uh, I had that, and then I just finished up some master stuff as well. So just. Do you want to do you want to share with the people what happened? Because it wasn't just you finished up some master stuff. You're well, like done. I'm I'm officially done. I am I am a I am a master of biblical proportions. Um. No, that but, exactly. That's the exact title. That's that's that'll what, be printed that's, on your on your diploma. That's what that's what I have. Yes, uh, I I am master of Bible. So no Perfect. other person, no other person on planet Earth knows the Bible more than I do. Um, <laughs> that's what the paper says, not myself. Uh, so you can take it as you will. Uh, but no, I'm officially done, which means I have some more time on my hands, which will be filled with like other job stuff. But job stuff will be consistent, not. I have a paper that I need to write. It's just, oh, I have to go to work for the four hours or however many hours I have to go to work for. So we're getting some consistency back. Very happy about that. Um, now I can just focus on youth ministry, making money in other avenues and blah, 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 blah. So that's really cool. Really happy about that. Um, Noel, do, do you have anything to tell the people before we get into our next spot or... We do. We have some things to talk about logistically for this podcast. Um, we're not going anywhere. So for the no. six of you that listen to us, no worries. Um, Chris and or Corey and I are still uh, fully committed to this podcast, but Chris gave us a call this weekend um, and he was kind of stressing out. He's, you know, he's starting college next he's week. Dead. He's yes, dead. he's actively he dead. He, he, he died. Actually the died. funeral is in a few days. Yes. Um, no, but he is starting uh, a degree this coming week. He is getting married in a month, two months, a couple, I don't know, 50 some days. Um, and so he is feeling a lot of stress and a lot of pressure. And I know that work has been a little stressful for him. So he asked if it would be all right if he was would be able to take two months off um, instead of doing the every other thing that he was trying to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and we said, absolutely not. You're off the podcast. Correct. So we will be going through a whole rebranding, um, yes. in the next coming weeks. We are working with people. No, not really. Um, but we were like, yeah, dude, you're, you're our best friend. We're more than happy to give you the time that you need. We're not offended by it at all. The two of us can, um, wax poetic on our own, uh, for a, a long period of time. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're like, yeah, you take, uh, look, we'll, we'll give you the two months, you know, a month after your wedding. And then we'll actually, we'll give you another, another full month just to like settle into your new life and get into your degree as much as you can and all that good stuff. Um, just cause we want him to not be, uh, pulling his hair out at the roots. Um, when he's looking at the ske- his, like his daily schedule. Um, so that all of that to say is that Chris will not be on the podcast for the next couple months. Um, if by the end of those couple months he chooses to step back from the podcast fully, um, Corey and I are still committed to continuing it and going as far as we can with this thing for as long as it takes. And maybe Chris will guest uh, every once in a while. Um, but that is a that is a hill to climb when we get there. So 
I don't know if Corey, you had any thoughts or things you wanted to say regarding that, but no, that pretty much covers it. Uh, you know, life gets in the way, and that's why we've had lapses in our scheduling. And we actually had a pretty good uh, run as far as when we said we're going to do a podcast every single week. Doesn't matter who, doesn't matter who's on, we'll fill in or we'll just do without. And we did pretty good up until now, and I think just with a lot of stress and then a lot of life stuff going on, mm-hmm. you just have to know when to take a step back. Um, so yeah. our schedules allow for us to clear out a night of the week and just talk about sports. And unfortunately, and I per, single, not single-handedly about marriage, but knowing that you know you have a job, you have school, and then other um, commitments on top of that, making like a third thing, it's very difficult to find time to do that. So we understand. And, uh, you know, Chris was kind of talking about like, oh, is this the end of the podcast? We're like, no, no, I mean, we, we've done it just fine. Um, <laughs> this sounds terrible. We've done it just fine. <laughs> we've done it just fine without you. So like, we're just gonna, yeah. we're just gonna keep, we're gonna keep going. Um, but yeah. no, we're gonna, we're gonna keep trucking along. Uh, obviously Chris, good guy. We like yeah. Chris we love and, him. and we would like it better if he was on here talking with us but right now that's just not a reality so yeah gotta keep moving yeah and another thing i think that's going to help is that neither of us is actually editing this podcast um because both oh, of God us bless. are <laughs> totally inept um so my brother who is uh a really good at that kind of stuff and actually loves doing it has taken that up um for us so that's a blessing to both of us and to yes. chris because chris was originally editing um so the we're very grateful for Ben. Shout out if you're listening to this part. Um, but yeah, so just it's bottom line is that Corey and I have availability in our schedule and the ability to do this. And we have no problem with Chris taking a step back at the moment. With Ben being on editing, um, we literally don't do anything. No, we just sit here and talk. And it's honestly the it's best part good. of this. It's pretty it's good. The, it's the best thing that it could be. So, so that's fun. We like yeah. that. And now we could can just talk about the good stuff, um, which we have a lot to talk about since we haven't been on. Uh, two what weeks. Is, two weeks. Wow. Two, Shoot. Maybe three, two weeks. I know it's I think two it's weeks two. for sure. It's two. This, this, will, this would be the third week, I think. But yeah. yeah, it's definitely not. We definitely have not been not recording for three weeks. But so to the, to the six listeners that we had and now like, oh, no episodes. So the four of you that are still left. Um, <laughs> We're going to get into it. Uh, and we have nowhere else to start but Mr. 500 himself, Miguel Cabrera, finally did it. Opposite field home run in Toronto, which a little disappointing because I feel like we were all anticipating after he hit 499, I, I guess it was two weeks ago in Baltimore, mm-hmm. that he was going to come home. We had a weekend slate. I think we had a couple. Did we have two series? Yeah, we had Cleveland yeah, we had and then Toronto. Series. Yep. Or no, Cleveland and Anaheim. Or mm-hmm. Shohei and all that. So um, odds were that one of those six or seven games Cabrera was going to do it, but that's just not how baseball works from time to time. Um, And I I remember looking and reading a lot um, about how Miguel Cabrera was handling, um, I don't want to say the workload, um, but people were saying like, man, I feel like he's he's pressing a little bit. Like he Mm -hmm. just needs a day off. And ESPN did a stat of uh, longest uh, gap between 499 and 500 home runs 
Cabrera, I think, I mean, it felt longer than it actually was. It, it, he had, it was eight games. So kind of a long time. Um, but it was not the most in major league history. Jimmy Fox, another hall of famer played when baseball was filmed in black and white. I think his was 14 games or something along those lines. I think Alex Rodriguez was, no, Alex Rodriguez was eight, and then somebody else was 11. I think Ken Griffey Jr. was 11, but don't quote me on that. Um, So, baseball's a long and grueling sport. Miguel Cabrera's an older player. Injuries have derailed his production. Um, So, uh, I guess you're going to expect a little bit of of a delay. But once it finally happened, and we talked about this a little bit, um, you know, with the, the contract talk, none of that stuff mattered. No, one not bit. at all. Not at all. I mean, we were focusing on Cabrera's greatness, all of his accomplishments, uh, the the clutch hits he had in the past, um, his World Series championship with Florida, um, and all of these all-time greats. Albert, like, they had a, a video of the 500 club members that were still connected to the Albert Pujols, Gary Sheffield, Jim Tomey, Alex Rodriguez, David Ortiz, all of these guys just congratulating him. Like, what an accomplishment. Because essentially, I mean, we all know Miguel Cabrera is going into the Hall of Fame, but 500 home runs is the benchmark. If you hit 500 home runs, you are in the Hall of Fame. It's only the He's only the 23rd player to ever do such a thing. And also, he's the best Venezuelan-born position player of all time. Uh, yeah. With these stats, isn't he? He's the because he's the first to reach that. He's the first Venezuelan-born player mm-hmm. to reach that benchmark, right? Yes, yes, yes. And it, it, I, I, you could say so much about just what this means for the game and what, um, you know, Cabrera's impact uh, was, but just the fact that now we're getting, I don't want to, I don't want to make this about diversity, but do it. it, it no, it, I I don't because that's not what the discussion is about. But in a game that we see is so is becoming global in a lot of the Hispanic speaking countries, to see that uh, Cabrera is the first Venezuelan player in a country where baseball is maybe the most popular sport, and Cabrera is the first guy to reach this milestone. I I I, I want to say that like there's there's the potential for so much more like we we are we are going to see so many other like venezuelan players cuban players dominican republican players break like new records and i i guess that these players came in into the 60s and now this is just the first time that we're seeing somebody hit that 500 home run benchmark it's exciting i mean mm-hmm. it's to see so many cultures now be a part of this game that we all love so much. America's pastime, technically. You, you can give or take whether you want to say it's America's favorite sport, because it's probably not. It's football's America's favorite sport. But still, it was the sport that this country was built on, or, what, or whatever <laughs> you want to talk about. Yeah. And and now it's becoming something that's so cool. It's really cool. It's really cool to see. And now, in a season, and in, um, I guess this is actually what I wanted to talk about, um, to see Tigers fans have Miguel Cabrera for his career and then they had the highest of the highs in the World Series and then they didn't win that World Series and they still had Cabrera, but then his skills declined. Um, 
and they were just abysmal for the past six seasons, just of horrid baseball. Now to see such a significant event in baseball history happen to the Detroit Tigers again, I was talking with some other friends, like this kind of just gives you a little bit of hope, doesn't it? Like you're, you're a, a good thing, a significant good thing is happening to the Detroit Tigers and Miguel Cabrera right now. And that's only that. And then you think about like, wow, the strides that they've made this season with AJ Hinch and his staff and, and the, the uh, production that you're seeing from the minor league guys. Um, like the first stop was to see this milestone for Miguel Cabrera, but what's to come next? So we're going to get back into the playoffs. We're going to win the central. We're going to win the American league. And then eventually we're going to raise that world series trophy. It just, it, it, it's contagious, I guess, and it's it's really hard not to get emotional about it, but it's when good things happen, significant good things happen, that just ultimately builds and helps not only the fans, but it also like slingshots the team um, mm-hmm. in, in a positive direction, and I think that's what this home run did. Um, and now we get to spend the rest of this season, which again is not going to end the way that we want to, but we get to celebrate such a cornerstone to this franchise, probably the best hitter that this franchise has ever seen. Um, and we just get to bask in this player's greatness because he's got another milestone coming up. He's going to get to 3,000 hits. Um, either if he if he kicks into the high gear, we might get it this year, but if he doesn't, we're going to get in early next year. And if he's you get 40 some until he hits that, right? Right, um, yeah, okay. but we're at the end of August, and we have September, and then three games in October. So that would be that's that's quite a pace. That'd be a lot. Um, which Cabrera is fully capable of doing, but realistically, I mean, that what? How many games do we have? What what's today? The twenty third. Today's the twenty fourth. The twenty fourth. So we have three games in a row at least this week, and then we have. Mm-hmm. Uh, a weekend series that's and so that's six um and i think two games so it's the 29th is sunday we have a game on the 30th a makeup game and then the 31st yeah pull up the schedule that probably would make a lot more sense um yeah. i mean don't they average like six games a week yeah around there and then we have a full month of september so that's around what 30 okay, so one two three four We have 35, 34-35, if I counted that right, games left. Yeah, so he's got, what, he needs 45 hits? Yeah, it's not going to, I mean. Yeah, that the, would be hard. The hit streak held by Joe DiMaggio was at 56 games with a hit. And obviously he had more than 56 hits, but we're, we're talking like all-time hit streak record if, right. if he were to do this. Um, but. So we'll have to wait till next year to get that. But still, springboards and positive things happening to a team only helps them play better. And I think we've seen this team again. This is a this is a gritty baseball team. It's a, it's a lot different than all of these other teams in the past. And when they see good things happening, the performance on the field translates to good performance. So. Um, point i'm trying to make this is so much more than just a home run it's a celebration and it's also so good for the team the city uh and also the trajectory of 
of the goals of this team. So, um, I, I do want I do want to make one more point. Um, they they had the 500 club like say congratulations. Then they had former Tigers teammates. Um, I was gonna say, is he gonna bring it up? Come He's on, bring it up. And of course, our good old pal Justin Verlander was on there, and he ends his video with "See you soon." So oh that gosh. could be that could be just as simple as they're gonna you know get a drink what, in Miami, or you know what this, you know what you remind me of when it comes to this Verlander thing. What have you ever talked to a Marvel fan when they're trying to suss out what Kevin Feige is doing within the movies? You're a little bit like that. The tinfoil hat, the reading really into tweets, the Listen. picking out of very minute details in the background of photos. Listen. You have an issue. I'm not the only person who's thinking this way. I, but I Ti- said fans. People yeah. do that all the time. Tiger's Twitter is blowing up with this. And I just think it makes too much sense. The guy's coming off of a significant elbow injury for a pitcher. And he's 30, what? He's 30... Nine? A, a billion? I don't or know. Thirty he's like he's either thirty seven to thirty nine. That's the range. I don't really I don't I don't know. But You mean you don't know his birthday? No, I don't. I don't know anybody's on, birthdays. Bud. This is really bad. I I have other than my remember, own yeah, you don't know your mom's birthday. I do remember that. That's uh no, I know I know my parent I know both my parents' birthdays because they're like three days apart. Okay. Uh, my dad was born July fifth. And then my Do mom, you know the I think, year? 63, I think. Okay. Yeah, so he's an old timer. Um, and then my when, mom's, my mom's two my years, uh, my mom's two years younger than my dad, but was born, I think, two days after. So, okay. So July 7th, I think. I don't know. So, and then my Are birthday, you? my birthday is November 15th. So I know that. Yeah. Um, but it just makes too much sense. The guy's made his money. He's one is he's got his ring. What a, and nobody is go, so nobody is going to pay him the big time money after a significant injury like this. Mm-hmm. So it would just make more sense to come. You think so, Al will, or at least comparable money. I think he should. I mean the 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 advantage of him signing Detroit because I don't think anybody. Verlander might get more money on a one-year deal someplace. Like, the Dodgers would probably be like, hey, here's a one-year deal for $20 million or something like that. Um, but it's going to be a one-year deal. Or, honestly, I don't even think it'll be $20 million. But the Tigers would probably be like, hey, let's sign you for three years and we'll give you $15 million. That would be, like, the total contract package would be more than any team would be willing to offer. I don't think somebody would give him a multi-year deal just coming off of an injury like this. I just don't. Yeah. Look at look at Corey Kluber. I, but this was a couple of years uh, of injuries, but he pitched like a year in Texas and had like two starts. He, he signed with the Yankees this year, um, one year, $9 million. And this is Corey Kluber. This is a former Cy Young winner, Corey Kluber. And he was pretty good. He threw no hitter for the Yankees this year, but he's also hurt again. So that's why. So not saying Verlander's injury prone, but still, that's a significant, significant injury, especially at his age. So, yep. But we're not talking about Verlander. We're talking about the Tigers. So we are. Did you want to talk about kind of the ups and downs of uh, the win loss in the past two weeks that we've had? I mean, I don't, it's it's essentially just the same old story. We yeah. had that we had the big injuries with 
Hill and um, Badu, which was really scary, but also yeah. kind of cool at the same time. Oh. I rem- I watched it like Hill just like bounced off, but Badu is a physical specimen, by the way. He's just just a freak mm-hmm. of nature. Um, and Hill, like that catch was incredible as well because he runs into a brick wall and he just bounced off. It's like I got it, and he still somehow manages to throw the ball in, and then they're both writhing on the ground in pain, which is not fun. Um, so for those of you who didn't see it, there was a crash in the outfield. <laughs> yes, yes, there was. Um, but those guys, Badu's hitting leadoff tonight. I just saw the lineup card, and Derek Hill came back. I, I am, I am so happy to see Derek Hill's production. And I, honestly, I hope that he is our center fielder next year. Um, I'd be very excited if that were the case uh, because uh, this is a guy who was drafted out of high school. He's 18 years old. He spent uh, countless seasons in, in the Tigers minor league system. And now he's finally getting his chance. He's not going to hit a bunch of home runs. He's not going to, he's not going to be, I, honestly, I don't think he's going to be an all-star, but I think he could be a very productive everyday player. Mm-hmm. Just he's, he has elite speed and he, did you he, see, I mean, I'm sure you saw the, the catch in the Toronto. Catch in, yeah. In Toronto. That's I absurd. The stats. So he covered 90 feet to, to make that play. And he had a 29.5 feet per second speed. Just absurd. Ridiculous. 20, 29.5 feet per second. Per, per second. I just, I need people to like hear that and process that because. Wait, you said 29.5 feet per second sprint. What? That's what I'm, that's what I'm reading. I don't know if. That's... I don't think that's right. 29 feet in a second, Noel. He had to cover 90 feet to get there. If okay, his, maybe. let's say his sprinting stride is what? Six feet, five, five and a half feet, six feet long, right? Sure. Okay. You can do that. I'm just going to, I'm going to go wow. look up Usain Bolt's speed per second real quick. Just give me a minute. Wow. Noel just gave me a stat that literally blew my mind. That's. And then he, he fully committed too. this man just, just. And, ah, uh, man. And he, you know what too? He tried to dive for a a catch in that Baltimore series like that and he missed it. And then he did it again in Toronto and he made it. I can't remember maybe it wasn't against Baltimore, but I do remember him making a play like that and he just flat out missed. And then he finally makes the play. Yes. I know. Okay, so I looked up Usain Bolt's feet per second speed. They gave it to me in meters, so I had to convert <laughs> math. Okay. Um his feet per second okay. is thirty point nine. And Derek Hill. And Derek Hill is twenty nine point five. Wow. He is wow one in one one in one point four seconds below Usain Bolt in that in that sprint. Wow, that is crazy. That is insane. Maybe Derek Hill should should be running in the Olympics. Mm, I don't know. He could. I I like him where he's at. Well, I mean, he could do that in the off season. You know, the Summer Olympics are during Shh. baseball, right? Okay. Shh. Sorry. Just making sure. Just making sure. Shh. Just making sure. I don't know. Maybe World Championships? I, forget, I should know. I don't know. <laughs> I have no clue. Um, but, yeah. No. And 
it's it's been the same story. The Tigers go on a run, um, look really good, and then they you know show that they're still got some ways to improve. Um, but they just won a series in Toronto against a team that is fighting for a playoff spot on the road after looking absolutely horrid at home for that week. It's another example of this team getting knocked down and then going back out and playing competitive baseball. Shorthanded, by the way, because they still didn't have Badu and uh, Willie Peralta was, yeah, what were their starters in that series? Tyler, no, their starters that series were Tyler Alexander, who pitched the game of his life, I mind you, um, Drew Hutchinson, or no, 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 it was, uh, it was Willie Peralta first, um, and he gave up two runs. He, he had one bad inning, he gave up two runs, he pitched six innings. Great start from him. And then Drew Hutchinson, who is a journeyman, like he's like mid-30s, called up from Toledo, and he goes and pitches after having after his first start of the year being like a third no, one inning and giving up like seven runs or something like that. He goes out and doesn't give up a run in his start. Doesn't pitch as long, but still doesn't give up a run. This is a this is one of the best offenses in baseball and a team that's fighting for the playoffs, and the Tigers go into their home field and win the series with no-name pitchers. So you could, you Which could... is, like, my favorite way to win something is sure. to ruin somebody else's day. And that's, what the, that's all the Tigers are going to be doing the rest of this season. Right, because it's not like they're up in the running for anything. Yeah. So the best that they can do is ruin other teams' day, mm-hmm. which is... Fun. You know, the best way to go about it, in my opinion. <laughs> That's why that's one of the reasons that I like watching end of uh, end of year hockey when the Red Wings are bad because they can go up against teams that are good and just mm-hmm. screw their stats. Yep. It's fun. Very fun. It's it's the bomb. It's the bomb.com. Yep. And like in this that was the kind of stuff that was happening to those Tigers teams that were quote unquote good. They were losing to a team like the Tigers. Right. When they had no business and that just kind of speaks to the toughness, the mental fortitude of this team. And if you can combine that and then actually get some talent on this roster next year. Two thumbs up. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna have a hot take. Oh gosh. But not not necessarily about the Tigers. I'm gonna have a I'm gonna have a very hot take. I think the American League Central is gonna be the best division in baseball next year. Okay. Or one of the most competitive. so like you look at like look at the the AL East, right? You have the Rays, the Yankees, Red Sox, Blue Jays. Those teams aren't going to, and then the Orioles. Sorry, guys. Um, <laughs> but I think I saw somewhere that uh, if the Braves played in the AL East, they would be in fourth place. They're currently leading the NL East. Um, so that, that just speaks to the competitiveness of that division. But the White Sox aren't going to go anywhere. Cleveland, again, which is so annoying, pulls starting pitchers out of their rear end and they produce like Cal Quantrill in the, in the little league classic went seven innings, didn't give up a run. Um, they'll have Shane Bieber next year. He'll be healthy. And, uh, Jose Ramirez is a tiger killer, but I, I honestly love the Royals core. Uh, Salvador Perez is still, he's like 32 years old. So he's got a couple more years in him. Whit Merrifield, I adore, and they've got some pretty young stud starting pitchers. Um, so I think the Royals, and they were, I think they, 
they had the best record in baseball after the first month of the season this year. Oh, really? Yes. They were leading the Central before the White Sox were. Um, so I think they'll bounce back and be pretty pretty good. And then the Tigers are only going to make strides. I don't know what that means for where the Tigers replace, but I think the AL Central is going to be the best division in baseball next year. If anything, the Tiger can, Tigers can just keep doing what they're doing and mess with other people. Because like, mm-hmm. this season has been fun to watch. Like, has it been frustrating? Have 11 to 0 losses been frustrating? Oh, yeah. Yes. Mm -hmm. But otherwise, it's been so much, like, they're not a boring, I want to throw my TV out a window team anymore. And we've been talking about that for quite some time. I'm just trying to, oh, and the Twins. The Twins aren't going to be, the Twins aren't going to be as bad as they are. You just look at your hats for reference. I did. I did, because I have them, I've had them in divisions. The The Twins just imploded this year, but they have the same core, and their pitching is not going to be as bad as it was this year. So, Mm -hmm. very competitive division next year. I'm very excited to see um, play next year. So, I don't know where... That could be be bad for the Tigers, given where they are in the stage of their rebuild, but I think, given how well they're playing now with such a not impressive roster... um, I mean, it'll just push them to be better, right? Like, it'll just... If they're in a tough division, they're going to have to suck it up and figure out how to win how to win some games or at least play competitively 100 percent. so hopefully aj and crew can continue the way that they're going because oh, yeah. it's working somehow for sure um we need to talk about the lions since we finally have lions content now we do have lions content because we've gotten Crazy. to the preseason uh, i will do a side note um i don't know how he is as a coach I really don't. I adore Dan. I'm 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 fully committed now. I've been on the fence a little bit. I adore Dan Campbell. Oh, yeah. I adore this. I man. know I was sold before you were, but I he's adore good. This man. He's so, just so good. And two reasons why. So, do you know Don Mulback? Do you know who that is? I do not. Okay, so he was the Lions' longtime like long snapper. He was the second okay. oldest player in the NFL behind Tom Brady. So pretty, pretty up pretty, there. Pretty up there. Um, and he. Literally has done one thing for the Lions his entire career, long snapped. Um, and he signed, he's been signing league minimum deals uh, since 2013, I think, and was also a teammate of Dan Campbell's in Detroit. Um, Dan Campbell had to cut him. Mm. And on his 40th birthday. Oh, that hurts. And Dan, oh, no. Dan Campbell goes up there and he's like, I feel like such a jerk. I had to do this, but. This is like this is my teammate. This is all this. So like I feel like a loser, yeah, having to do that. But he had to do it because it was a part of the team. So like the self awareness again is refreshing, and it all goes back to we had a coach that had no emotions to now a coach who wears his heart on his sleeve. But still to say that in such a non like NFL coach manner, cool to see. Uh, number two. Uh, the second game against the second preseason game against the Steelers was horrid. They, the Lions are terrible. They're an awful football team. Um, but once they put like their backups in and guys fighting for spots, they scored, I believe, twenty unanswered points in the second half, and they only lost by six. So um, yeah, it had to have been that because I think they were at twenty six at half. At half, yeah. And Dan Campbell was raving about these these guys fighting for spots. He's like, I was. I was incredibly happy with the guys that um, 
don't have like a surefire spot on this team. They really battled hard, showed me a lot of heart. And like you, how much like diagnosis you want to give into the preseason is on you. And there has to be some truth there because this is how you evaluate players to like fill in those role spots. But and it, it really is just difficult because it's like, well, are we disappointed with the first half with the starters in there? Or, and are we going to be hopeful about how the team rebounded in the second half with a bunch of scrubs in there? S- However you want to take that. But mm-hmm. I, to me, I, I I don't know. I don't know if it's just because I like the guy or not, but Campbell is noticing how guys are working. Because like, you could easily just, okay, this game doesn't matter. We're going to roll over. But these guys who are fighting for spots are like, no, we need to, we need to get back into this game. And... Uh, I think he he highlighted on David Blau's play, and honestly, I don't think David Blau is a bad quarterback. I don't think he should start, but I don't think he's um, the third string quarterback, if you will, on this team because he played uh, a couple games, I think, last year and the year before, and he looked he looked pretty good. Like he looked like he could hold his own, and that's that's kind of what you want from a backup quarterback. But he was like, yeah, David Blau took control of the offense. He was phenomenal in the second half. Um, so. I want to say that he knows how to evaluate players. To what extent that means, I don't really know, but um, it's it's just I don't know. It's encu- it's encouraging, but it's also a little bit worrisome because again, I still think that this team is going to be awful. I don't expect this team more than four wins. But and even into the first preseason game, they talked about Jared Goff. He led a drive. I think that lasted fourteen plays. Um, in that, in, that was his first drive in a Lions uniform, and uh, he had never done that before in his career. Oh wow! So, and he comes to Detroit, and it's the preseason first game. I get it. Yeah. But what do you take? Like, what do you take away from that? Because it's the yeah. preseason, yes, but he also just did something he hasn't done in his career. So how much truth do you take away from that? Um, so I, I don't want to be fully encouraged, but I also don't want to be like this team is going to suck because I feel like you are seeing some very, very little things. Yeah. I very think little. With all of the hype that's happened since Patricia left and since um, Campbell was hired and – why am I now forgetting our GM's name? Who's the Brad Lions Holmes. GM? Thank you. Whoa. Um, not, like when they were hired, I feel like there was a lot of like trepidation and like these guys haven't done this before. Like, are they going to be able to do it? Like, I feel like that's just kind of what the fandom was feeling. And then we moved into starting to make some roster moves and cutting some old contracts and, um, you know, having. Uh, getting more guys and we were kind of, you know, scratching our heads at some of the choices they were making. Um, but then Dan Campbell got up and did the, the kneecap speech. And I feel like that won over a lot of people. Um, and so I feel like the, the hype for this team has just gone up and up and up and up steadily over the last, you know, however many months it's been. Um, and this, I mean, preseason is your first real test, right. As of if a team can actually do what they're supposed to do. Um, and I feel like people are just kind of being like knocked back into reality a little bit of like, yeah, this man is not a magician. 
neither of them are. They're doing the best they can with what they have and hopefully are making steps to, you know, further the team over the next couple of years. And I feel like people aren't ready for that reality. I feel mm -hmm. like I have been very reasonable. I feel like Chris has not. <laughs> I feel like Chris is just... Yeah, you suck, Chris. <laughs> this is what happens when you leave. No. Um... But he was like he. I mean, he's a he's a man of extremes. He is yeah. either very down on a person, or very high on a person, or a situation, or a thing. Like that's just how Chris works. And so, like, I feel like he was like willing to give his firstborn to uh, to Dan Campbell if if uh, all went right. But I feel like we need to just temper expectations because, it, as cliche as it is, and as many times as we heard it, it's the Lions. It's yeah. the Detroit Lions. They're gonna be this for a minute because of the hole that we've been in for the last 60 years it's not going to get fixed over the over the first eight months that a regime change happens like that's not realistic to ask we can't ask that of these guys right so i don't know i mean was it disappointing to see those notifications i didn't get to watch the games but was it disappointing to get those notifications over my phone absolutely was it something that i was shocked at no not at all. I, I think I think you can fully evaluate how the Lions will improve because I again, I'm repeating it. They're going to be terrible. They're yeah. not going to be a very good football team, at least in the win loss column. But if you're going to take anything from away from the season, how again with the Tigers, are they going to be tough? Mm -hmm. So like the whole spiel of Dan Campbell is you know we're going to get kicked down, we're going to bite your kneecaps off, we're going to get knocked down, blah 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 blah. So how are they losing games this year? Are they losing games by 50 or are they losing games by 7, 3? And like consistently, like always being in the game, not, not, not taking a big lead and then just falling flat on their faces. No I, more fourth quarter fails. I, I want to see, I want to see this team be, at, at least for improvement, I want to see this team being back and forth, answering scores, being tough and stingy. And if they're going to lose the majority of their games, they better be by one score. There's not going to happen all the time, I understand. But how they lose games is what's going to define the beginning of the Dan Campbell era. Mm -hmm. Because in the Patricia era, they were losing games, and they, you knew they were going to lose this game, right? Yeah, yep. And also, to this point, it's going to be a tough hill to climb because the Lions are favored in exactly zero games this year. Oh, no. Do you have zero. a prediction for what our score, our, our end Four wins. Be? They four will wins. get no more than four wins. Anyone who tells you otherwise is lying. I don't, they don't have, they have no talent on this team. How many games do they have total? I can't ever remember. What, uh, uh, they added one this year, so they have 17 games total. Okay, yeah. Yeah, I think four is probably... Probably apt. I mean, maybe the offense will be pretty good, but the defense is not going to be very good. Yeah. I don't even know about the offense, man. This the, whole team is... The offense solely because I think I, I if I have to put my confidence in one thing, said it months ago, is the offensive line. I think the offensive line will be very, very yeah. good which in return hopefully makes the running game good. Um, but you just downgraded from a Hall of Fame quarterback to... I miss him. And he's gonna, I think he's going to win MVP. I hope he does. 
I, I, think, I think he's just going to light it on fire because he's finally going to have a competent team. I know. I so, want all the good things for him. Only good things for him. Uh, Bucks, Rams, NFC Championship game? Never know. Never know. I haven't kept up on what the Rams preseason has looked like so far. So I, I haven't either, but who cares? They're just, no, okay. They'll, they'll be good. They'll be fine. Yeah. Jalen Ramsey's the best corner, or one of the best corners. Wait, in the I did watch like three seconds of a Rams game, and Stafford was not on the field, so I was confused. It's the preseason, so they're trying to protect the players. Ah, so that makes sense. I, I, and like how it always traditionally was, there used to be four preseason games. Now there's only three. Um, uh, the first preseason game, nobody plays. Second preseason game, you get a little bit more action. The third preseason game, the starters play into the third quarter. Mm. And then okay. the fourth preseason game is like all scrubs. <laughs> Got it. Like the guys who are barely about to make the team. Yeah. So that's what it is. Cool. Um, we got to keep moving. Uh, I was going to say, you remember when we said that was going to be a short segment? Yeah, but it was not. We had a lot of, we had a lot to talk about. It was three, it was three weeks of Lions content. Um, All right. Pistons. We could Pistons. probably, we could probably keep this relatively brief. Yeah. Uh, number one, shout out Jeremy Grant, gold medal winner. We yep. haven't even said that. So good for, good for Jeremy Grant. Yeah, proud of that guy. Round of applause. Um, Pistons drafted Cade Cunningham. I don't even know if we talked about that. We did. did we? we had a Cade okay. Cunningham. We did. Okay. Because <laughs> that was the one podcast before we went on our break. Yikes. Okay. So, uh, yeah. Um, the right pick. And we talked Correct. about, I know now I do remember because we talked about like how like the league has to stop until the Pistons make their decision. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I think even the last three weeks have proved that this was the right pick and not just because of his playing ability, but in some other ways. Okay. Before we get into that, I have okay. to mention I have to mention somebody. Go for it. I said at our draft recap episode that Luca Garza was a very good pick. And you were correct. You were very correct. Now it's the summer league. I get it. Luca Garza has been incredibly consistent in the mm-hmm. summer league. And he I think he I don't even think he started, but he came off the bench um, and it was playing um, in limited roles, but the, Luca Garza may not have the the frame that you'd want for a center, but he has the skill set of a modern NBA center because now he's not just sitting uh, in the post and down low; he's going out to the perimeter and he's making three point shots. I remember looking at a highlight video; he was shooting up shots that had no business going in, and they were going in. Again, summer league, I understand, but this is the this is a guy who knows how to play the game of basketball. Uh, was your Naismith Player of the Year in college basketball last year, and somebody who has all I've been hearing about this guy is how hard he's worked, how much weight he's lost, how much muscle he's put on, and and just the tenacity of this player. Because I think I even saw a quote where he said, "I'm not going to beat anybody in a foot race, but mm-hmm. I am going to outwork them." Yep. He did. What he more? Now, now, what more do you want? For, so it's one thing to have a player who has no talent say that. It's like, oh, okay, well, you have to say that. This is a guy who is NCAA's best player. And you get that same mentality from a guy who already had some of the best talent in college basketball last year? Mm-hmm. Watch out. That's all I'm saying. I think I think yeah. Luca Garza will be a... I don't want to say important, a interesting piece to the Pistons this year. I think he should. I think he's earned a right to make the team. Um, 
he's earned the right to come off the bench. Um, I want to see what he, this kid can do. I'm very excited to see. I haven't. Uh, I think Isaiah Livers is still hurt. I don't think he's played at all in the summer league. So yeah, um, he is hurt. So he's recovering I'm sorry, from that. I'm just that. trying to look up what Luca Garza's stats were during the summer league. I saw that. Uh, um, something like he was only averaging uh, a certain amount of points, but he was only playing half of the game or even less than half of the game. And if you, if you took his average over a full 40 minutes, like he would have been averaging 22 points in the summer league. Yeah. I'll, I'll it take... was, I'm just only finding single game stats, but it's like, he's got uh, 20 points, 14.5 rebounds. Yeah. So like, People were talking about how he rebounded as well. Yeah. That he doesn't just wait for the ball. He has to go out and get it. So that's what he's been doing. Um, So I'm very excited for Luca Garza. Um, Obviously, Cade Cunningham, because he's a monster. But, um, and I think a lot of people are saying that they want him to run point, which, cool. Yeah, he was off ball for a decent amount of summer league, which I know that some people were upset about. Mm -hmm. But, like, it's summer league. So let them experiment. Like, that's the point. (laughs) Yeah. Let them do it. Yeah, but speaking of Cade, okay. my favorite part of this whole thing. Yeah, you could, you you take the lead. I'll, yeah. I'll I'll fill in after this. Uh, so basically, it's it started on draft night, and I guess that we just didn't like. I didn't read enough articles or whatever to like catch this when it started. But top two picks were Cade Cunningham at one to Detroit Pistons. Mm-hmm. Jalen Green goes second to the Rockets. The entire time, up leading up to the draft, Jalen Green has been talking about. I'm sorry, there's water coming out of the side of my building, so I'm just oh, making geez. sure. Hold on, just give me one second. I can have Ben edit this out if we need to. Okay. I don't know where it's coming out of. I can't see it. Anyway, okay. Um, Jalen Green. The entire leading time leading up to the draft, he's like, yeah, I'm, I should go number one. Like, he's gassing himself up. Fine. Do that. But in that, don't disparage the, the city of the number one picked team. You know, like, he, he was trash-talking Detroit a large majority of, of the time that he was doing pre, pre-draft interviews. Um, and... Compared to to Cade, he Cade has just been like, yeah, I'm excited to go to Detroit. Like, if that's where I land, I'm excited about it. Like, let's do it. I'm want to do this city. He, you know, he was just excited, and you could see that in the way that he he handled himself in press conferences and the way that he talked to reporters and stuff. Um, and then when he was drafted, he was very grateful and very down to earth about it. Like, he seems like a very like well balanced human being. Mm-hmm. Um. And a very mature human being, um, which I love. I love that about him. Um, and then post-draft, Jalen Green's kind of running his mouth again, saying, I, you know, wanted to go one. I wanted to go one. I should have gone one. Um, and all this stuff. And I've seen a couple tweets where it was like, has anybody told Jalen Green that the Rockets were shopping around? Or, <laughs> like, has anybody mentioned to him that they were trying to no. get trade for the number one pick? Um, it's not like he was their first choice, I think is the point that they were trying to make. So all of that happens. Um, we, we are gearing towards summer league. Um, and 
there's this little bit of a rivalry. Like, obviously, a little bit of the heat has started with all those those draft interviews, but now we have uh, Jalen Green pumping Detroit rap as he's on the way to the Rockets-Pistons game. He's just kind of, you know, egging on the, that that thing and doing kind of a, a, a watch me, I'm going to prove it kind of thing. Um, and then in the game, Jalen gets crossed over pretty bad by Cade Cunningham. Like it was, it was pretty, uh, I was very, it was very fun to watch that. But in the end, the Rockets won the game. So like, is it a draw? Is it a tie? I don't know. Um, so let's, let's wait till the regular season. Right. Exactly. Oh, we beat you guys. Yeah. In a game that literally doesn't, <laughs> doesn't matter, matter. <laughs> with, you know, our B string guys. Um, so yeah, I I'm not typically one for the drama and for a rivalry, but I think because Cade has been so poised and so very much not feeding into the drama factor of it, that I'm like, yeah, I'm all here for it. I'm ready for this to grow. I'm ready for both of their careers to for, because they're both going to be great players in the NBA. I'm ready for them both to kind of have a little bit of animosity towards each other. And if it's mostly Jalen Green just coming at Cade Cunningham and Cade Cunningham just kind of, like, taking it in a graceful way and kind of proving proving himself on the court, I'm for it. I'm here for it. I'm ready. Mm-hmm. Well, we're so uh, there's a couple things I want to yeah. say. Um, I mean, Pistons are moving their way up. So anything to ignite some sort of extra motivation for a bad team is good um, because – that's something you can build upon. Like, I feel like at times when the Pistons were bad, um, or at least not this year, um, there was no motivation to, ah, we're, we're bad, we're not going to win this game, blah, 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 blah. But now it's like, oh, Jalen Green said something ignorant about Detroit. Like, we're not going to let him come in here. Like, we're going we're gonna to destroy this team. That's good. Uh, two things. Um, number one, uh, to your point of, Cunningham being uh, a just a pretty stand-up guy. Uh, this kind of goes back to the college days because he he committed to Oklahoma State um, before uh, they were hit with NCAA violations. So in that in in his like recruitment process, they they didn't have any violations, and then after he committed. The NCAA came out and said, "Oh yeah, uh, we're giving Oklahoma State a one-year postseason ban in his own in his season that he was going. So he could have easily been like, I'm decommitting, I'm going someplace else because I want to play in the postseason.' No, he stayed. He went to Oklahoma State full well knowing that they were not going to get into the NCAA tournament, and um, that speaks. I don't, I don't really know, and especially in college basketball and just the way that." I don't know, athlete athletics are today. Like if something like, like that happens, players are going to move and I don't blame them, but there's also something to be said that, Oh, I made a commitment here. I'm going to stick to it. So like, that's pretty cool. And I feel like that was another, I mean, other than his absolute best talent, that's another reason why I think the Pistons Mm -hmm. were like, yeah, this is our guy. Uh, and number two, Jalen green, uh, said, I deserve to be number one and I want it to be in Detroit. And he was like, oh, I want to go to Detroit. I want to go to Detroit so bad. And then when he didn't get picked, he was like, oh, Detroit sucks anyway. So, like, that that just speaks to his immaturity as well. Mm-hmm. And everybody, Darren McCarty said something about this. 
And he, he was like, no one disrespects the city of Detroit. And everybody on Twitter is like... And like, Darren McCarty's not a man that you want to meet in an alley no, in the back of a building. No, no, I don't want... No, no, that's not that's not something I would prefer. Uh, however, um, Jalen Green said something about, like, he jumped off the plane, there was nothing to do. And it's like, okay, that's Romulus. That's not even Detroit. And B, like, everybody was just dunking on him for that comment as well. So, like, this kid is ignorant. He doesn't know what he's talking about. He's just he's just butt hurt that he didn't get taken number one overall. And in a head to head matchup, he looked silly. So let's 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 get some good old fashioned hatred back in. Let's fuel this fire. I'm here let's for fuel it. it. Cause I, I hope this kid stinks because he's talking like an idiot right now. No, no. I want him to be good because I want I want Cade Cunningham to just grow above him the entire time and annoy the crap out of him. One of those things where it's always like this. Yes. He's always going to be second. Like, I just... That sounds, like, so petty. But what a great storyline that would be. What a great documentary, you know, 20 years from now, that would be. That would be a good one. I love it. That's awesome. Did you watch the Malice at the Palace documentary? Sorry I did. totally like switched no, to topics. No. I didn't because I heard that it was like not true. <laughs> I heard that a lot of it was stuff Detroit fans already knew told not from their perspective, um not from the Pistons perspective obviously. Uh and it just felt <laughs> Like I don't I don't know what the word I can't remember the word that the person I was listening to used. Maybe inauthentic. I don't know if that's the right word, but sure. like just strange. So I haven't I haven't watched it. Um, I'm not good at watching documentaries. Um, but yeah, if you're interested in some Pistons kind of related things, there's a mini. I, I, I might I might do that pretty soon. Just to I think see it's what like it's an hour about. long, like an hour and a half yeah. long. So it's not huge. Yeah. But just but, to see what it's like. Yeah. Uh, All right, Red we, Wings. We need a... Is there a documentary on the Red Wings-Avalanche rivalry? I feel like no. there is, but there should be. There's the 15-minute ninety, you know, fight night video that I've watched four times on YouTube, but course. there's not a documentary. I feel like that needs to be the next, like, documentary. That would be like, good. Like, that, like, because... I mean, I feel like everybody already knows all the, like, the information just with, like, books... Uh, like cup, like run. Yeah. Video. I also think I don't know if you ever read the Players Tribune article that Draper wrote a couple of years ago. Yeah, I did read that. That well. was good. Yeah. Um, because that told me things that I didn't know before, and that was you know, yeah. that event is one of my favorite of Red Wings, of of old. So. Yeah. Red Wings lore. Red Wings lore. Um. Okay. But yeah, there's a lot to talk about with the Red Wings. Modern Red Wings. Let's uh, let's go. Wow, we always talk so much about the Red Wings. Like we we either just need to commit to being a Red Wings podcast, or <laughs> or get it together, or get it together and give the other sports their their due. I still think that. So before we before we uh, branded everything, I was I I think I made the argument of uh, of like just doing an Illich Holdings podcast where we only talked about tigers and red wings because those were the two sports that we knew about the most mm-hmm. um but we also wanted to talk about the lions and no one really wanted to talk about the pistons but i feel like we've grown to love the pistons no i love I-, I mean i i don't want to say i love the pistons but like it we're getting there 
And like, like I've learned so much about, I mean, just simply living in Indiana, I've learned so much more about basketball and then the NBA and how that all works. And, um, so I'm excited to Mm -hmm. finally see the Pistons trending in the right direction. Um, so maybe I will, maybe next time, this time next year, I'll be like, I love the Detroit Pistons, but, um, we'll find out. We'll find out. Um, regardless, what start us off. Oh gosh. Um, let's go with the Nielsen buyout. Golly, thank the Lord almighty. (laughs) I didn't feelings th- about that, huh? I, I didn't think they were going to do it. You I, didn't? I, I thought you said, because last year when Abby got bought, bought out, you were like, oh yeah, Nielsen's going to be next year. I thought that was kind of your thing. Well, I... <sighs> Have you, I, I, you I, like, did you change I, your mind, maybe? No, I did. Yeah, I think I maybe changed my mind. I... I, it, it, I guess it just goes with the, like, how, like, how close you think the rebuild is, right? Um, yeah. Because, like, they still had a ton of... Like, they didn't need... So, from a cap perspective, they didn't need to make this move. Because they went from having one of the highest payrolls in the league, and then two years later they had, I think, a bottom three payroll, even with Nielsen's contract. So now they're even lower, but, like, it's just off the books. Like, I get that. They'll still have to pay him his money. Um, so just I was thinking... two years. Right. So, bury him in the fourth line. He'll perform, do what you need him to do um, at a low level, be on your merry way after his contract's up. So I, I was honestly a little surprised, especially how it came so late into free agency. So, um, yeah, I, I, I don't really know. But I'm I'm relieved a little bit mm-hmm. because now the contract's off the books technically and now we don't have to play Nielsen even though we I talked a little bit in that contract thing. If Nielsen was a league minimum player i don't think we would care about we would not we we wouldn't we wouldn't care about his production at all no. but he wasn't it was you know his value was tied to his contract so whatever yeah. um so this either opens up the door for another young player or i was thinking about it a little bit uh i saw something eric stall is still a free agent they haven't signed him yet nobody signed him yet no and training camps are pretty close well i definitely thought that he was signed. philip Peronic also hasn't been signed so Oh, he's still restricted? I'm pretty sure he's still... Oh, he's restricted free agent. Never yeah. mind. Ignore me. Yeah. that's. A, I thought he was still under... I think he had one more year of the contract. But, um, correct. And Bobby Ryan hasn't signed either, so... Bobby Ryan's not coming back. Is they Who said that? I uh, I think Max uh, Boltman put out a tweet and kind of said, like, these are the guys that the Wings aren't taking back. Hmm. Let me go. And Philip... Uh, nope. Whoa. Uh, Philpola wasn't on or was on that list as well. Yeah, I, I would I would assume Philpola would have been gone. Yeah, I don't think Bobby. He Ryan was like he signed. He was like Nielsen, but without the money. Essentially, I feel like they were the same player at least this past year. Yep. They're just old veterans. Yep. All right. So the way that the Nielsen bra- uh, buyout works is that for this coming season, it is four point two five mil. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then twenty two, twenty three will be uh, the the five hundred k. Okay, is how that how that works out. So not terrible, not great, but better than having him on the books. Sure. Um, yeah. So and then we also had the two that went to arbitration. So we had Adam Ernie and um. Bertuzzi? Bertu- Bertuzzi didn't go to arbitration. 
Okay, and I don't think Ernie went to arbitration. I think they avoided arbitration. I mean, he filed for it. Ar- yeah. Like I'm, they were in the process. Um, Who am I thinking of? I don't know. Was I it thought, Bertuzzi? Yeah, I think the, he was the only one that went, or that filed for it. Oh, that's right. And then Ernie. And that was it, yeah. I, again, I was a little No, surprised. it was Jacob Verana. I was going to uh, say, Bertuzzi was last year. Bertuzzi yeah. was last year. Jacob Verana. Yeah. Whoa. What Jacob Verana. What was his contract again? That was that was quite a, that was a significant number. The one that number. he got or the one that... No, the one that he got. Yeah, I don't care about the, the number that he requested. Uh, Jacob Verana got... I'm still looking because it's... It's hard to find all these stats when you don't prepare. Mm. We're really good at preparing here at the CNC Replay. I need to be better at preparing. It also is not helpful that this was right after work. We're yes. recording right after I got off of work. So, okay. So he signed a 3 by 5.2 mil. Okay. Yeah, I thought that was a pretty big number. But still. Yes. Um, I mean, the guy had chemistry here. It's pretty obvious that he did. Um, so yeah. having a top line with him, Larkin, and Zadina for a full season, probably going to be pretty exciting hockey to watch. He and only then... played 11 games. Last <laughs> it seemed like he had 50 goals and we had a hi- we had highlight reels that were like four minutes long or something mm-hmm. like i'm so excited for a full 82 game season with that guy yeah that'll be really cool uh, the uh, check connection um, yep. with uh, him and zadina i'm excited for zadina too i i'm I, I think he's ready to explode frankly not like explode like into a million pieces but like <laughs> The, shoot upward. Yes. Skyrocket. Shoot, shoot upward, skyrocket. Yeah, so I'm, I'm pretty excited for that. I think he's going to, again, I keep saying it, I've said it multiple times, he looks like a mini Zetterberg. Mm-hmm. Just the way he plays. He looks, he looks, I mean, it's, it's almost, it's almost scary how similar, like, they look. You think? Or, and, and look and play, which... Also, like, is kind of concerning because it's like you drafted Zadina to be a goal scorer, not a playmaker. Mm-hmm. But still, if he's a productive, if he's a, if he's a Zetterberg type playmaker, is anybody going to be upset? We're not with that? losing. We don't yeah. lose in that scenario. Yeah, no, it's just no. a different win. Yeah. Um. So excited about that. Excited for a healthy season for Larkin. Hopefully. Um, After that, I get Jamie Ben hit. Oh yeah, gosh. and maybe the pressure will be off too. His first season as captain. Under, is under his belt, um, mm-hmm. so maybe he can just go out there and play. Um, That's another thing. Uh, before we go on, so Adam Ernie did sign a two-year contract for four point two. Yeah, so which is two two point one million per year. Yeah, which I think which is a lot. I I personally think it is a little too much, but it's a lot. Because where are you going to put him? Is he going to be in your top six, or is he going to be the third line wing? I don't know. I. He's going to be on your power play. I think he'll probably be on your. I think that's probably where he's going to stay. Like that's going to be. That's probably why he got the most money because he was apparently a power play specialist at the end of the year last I, year. I mean, I feel like he scored. How many goals did he score this year? Dude, I don't know. I'll look it up. I'll look it up. <laughs> um, but because it seemed like every time he scored, it was on the power play. And honestly, I kind of want an Adam Murray jersey He scored now. 11 goals last year. Only 11 and he got $2 million. Wow. Yes. And I feel like... He had nine assists for a total of 20 points. 
I think that makes the contract forty five games played. I think that makes the contract look even a little bit worse now. Yeah, we the season was only forty five games. Was he hurt for a decent amount of that, or get healthy? No, what it was there? the season was cut short because of COVID. They started in like the twenty twenty one season. Oh, the season that we just just yeah. had. Yeah, it was shortened. It wasn't no, no. a full. Because we had, we had so <laughs> so we had. 19 to 20, which was 56 games. That was the one that got cut off in March. Yes. That was the one that the Tampa Bay Lightning yes. won the Stanley Cup. Yes. Then we had the new one yes. that started in what? January. It started in January? So, so we did not play 82 games. Well, I know we didn't play 82. I thought we played more than 50, 45. Maybe we did, but he was probably hurt. Okay. Anyways. Sorry, did you say that? I'm sorry. No, 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 no. No, you're fine. I'm just confused. I'm going to go look at Larkin's and see. Yeah, Larkin Larkin only played like 30 games, I feel like. 44. Wow, okay. Corona played every game, I do know that. Okay, so look at his. 56. There were only 56 games. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Wow, where was I? Okay, anyways, so 11 goals, 56 games, 9 assists. Was, or were, any stats. Well, he only played 45. Okay, sorry. 45. Well, then that makes his contract even look more worse if he, if he played in 56 games and he had the same amount of goals. Point I'm trying to make, I think, I, I, I mean, he's he was signed to be that power play guy because the major, I think over 75% of his goals came on the power play. Like, it was yeah. like, I mean, the Red Wings power play was not good, but whenever he scored, Adam Ernie scored on the power play. So that's why he's there. Steve Eisenman likes him. He, oh, and I totally forgot about that center that we got from uh, from Tampa Bay. Osterley? No, 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 he's a defenseman. The center from Tampa Bay. So, um... That's not going to help me. Stevenson. Stevens. Stevens. Mitchell Stevenson. Mitchell Stevens? Mitchell yeah. Stevens. So I'm excited to see what he does. He'll be the bottom line center. Maybe he... I, I hear he has more offensive upside. We've talked about that. But I totally forgot about him. But Steve took guys from Tampa that he liked. We all were kind of scratching our heads. Why does he want Adam Ernie? And then we sit and play... And we're like, why does he want Adam Ernie? And then this year, it's like, oh, that's why he wanted Adam Ernie. Um, it only took him what three years to figure it out? Something like that, but that's besides the point. Um, and Eisenman got this guy for a seventh round pick, so also from Tampa Bay. So I and a lot of Tampa Bay people were kind of uh, upset with that. Um, so uh, yeah, that'll be cool um, to see, and maybe. Getting rid of Nielsen clears up that spot. But still, um, Eric Stahl hasn't signed. I know that they were looking for another right-handed shot. He's a left-handed shot. But still, like a veteran presence that you can sign for the league minimum or whatever. If Eric Stahl would be interested, I wouldn't mind seeing him there. Because he's a guy who could fill in and be your second-line center if you need him to be. I don't want him to be. but um, Sure. I would, I, maybe the Red Wings should kick him. I mean, I'm not Steve Eisman. But if, if I were... If I were, for whatever reason, put into the GM seat of the Red Wings, A, it would be horrible because I don't We don't know, want that. We, I don't know anything. But B, kick the tires on stall. Why not? What's the worst thing that could happen? Yeah. What's the worst that can happen? Who do was, you think are going to get the A's? That's, uh, I'm glad you asked that question. Um, I think Bertuzzi will get one. A lot of speculation saying DeKaiser, but... Also he's only some, got a year left. Right, but he's you know? he's a Michigan guy, born and raised. And but like people were saying like he hasn't gotten it yet. 
so there might be a reason for that. But I also have never heard any issues with the Kaiser, like, in the locker no, room or off the ice. So. Yeah. I'm pulling for Bertuzzi and Heronic. I think those would be two guys that would be a good plan. I think Especially Hironic since too. we know Heronic's going to be around for a while. Um, who I think are probably going to get it. I can see... Just I can see Sam Gagne getting it. Ooh, I'm gonna I be real honest. I like Sam. I, know I you really do. do. I know you do. Um, I can see Sam Gagne getting it, and I can see if they sign Mark Stahl. I can see him getting it too. Oh no, Mark um, Mark Stahl. Yeah, and that's another reason why they should sign Eric Stahl because his brother's here. <laughs> Did you not even like make that connection? No, I. Thought that I, was the whole point of your spiel. No, 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 no. I I knew they were brothers, but I just didn't think about it in the in the in reasoning for signing Got it. Stahl. <laughs> No, I, I I was thinking against signing Stahl because Stahl isn't a right-handed shot. That's why. Yeah. So, but, I mean, play with your brother. Like, just, <laughs> again, there was a time where I think all three of them were on the same team. I think it was for the Rangers. That I have no idea. Or no, Jordan Stahl's always been on the Hurricanes, I think. But uh, we're, we don't care about the Stahl brothers unless they're Speaking of a Red Wings-Hurricanes connection, uh... Evgeny Svechnikov is no longer a Red Wing. And I'm uh, pissed. Th- uh, that. I'm so mad. That is such a mystery to me. I I think to all of us. I do not understand. I don't. Like, I, I don't. Because we were sitting here like talking about, like, oh, he's not playing. Even when he was playing, he was playing well. He's not playing because we don't want to have film on him, so he gets just taken for the expansion draft. Blah, 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 blah. So they don't sign him, and we're like, oh, he's for sure going to get signed by some other NHL team. He signs a, a minor league deal with Winnipeg. Yeah. I don't understand. Uh, which which makes sense, considering that he cleared waivers multiple times throughout the season. But still, like, I, I just... The the average fan saw him play this year, and they're like, oh, man, he's got, he he's got some up, He's got some upside. Yeah. And yet nobody, like, I, is that just because we really like the kid and we're, we're blinded by, uh, just how much we like him? I don't know. I don't, I don't know. I don't think it is that because I don't know that we are like, look, we're hardcore homers. I get that. But we have realistic expectations for other players who are below average slash at average. Yeah. You know? Like if, look, we love Luke Glenn Denning, but if they had paid him two point five million for what he does, we would all have been like, "I'm sorry, what?" Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Like we we understand where his production level is, what he is used for, and where his contract should be. Like, and that yeah. triangle worked for a very long time. Yeah. So I'm not understanding what Svechnikov, who is a young player, he's 24, which I know is getting to like the older end of non-production like when you want a guy to start producing it's usually around 22 23 right like that's when you're hoping a forward hits their ceiling or hits kind of their stride yeah and he hasn't done that yet so i I get that i get that he's a little bit late but he's still 24 right the human body does not stop progressing until the age of 25 yeah (laughs) that is scientifically when the body stops so I just, I just, I don't know. I And he was, 
when he was in, he was doing stuff. He was creating plays. He was in dirty corners. Like he, you could tell that he wanted it. Yeah, I don't I, know. I just it just scratches my head because again, this is if if he was going to get any ice time for any NHL team, the Red Wings would probably be it. Not because he was drafted here, but because of where they are at. I mean, you could probably see him go to Buffalo and play. Uh, and maybe that I don't wish Buffalo on anybody. Yeah, and that's not going to help his development. But the the sheer fact that he couldn't get a NHL contract anywhere is kind of baffling. Yeah. Um, which I, honestly, like, it's he's it's a two way contract. He's going to go to Winnipeg training camp. I think he's going to make the team. Um, they have a lack of center depth. I think uh, maybe they don't. Maybe I'm just saying that on my rear end. Um, but. Um, I think I, I, I guess I guess I would be very surprised if he's not on that roster. Come opening night, yeah. I, and again, that could just be we like the guy, we want, we wish him the best, and we haven't seen him on a full season, given a full shot. Um, but it's also very telling that the rest of the NHL didn't see that he was worth an NHL contract as well. Um, so people that are smarter than us that are making these decisions and uh probably there's something else that we are not seeing that is the reason that teams were not interested so which is sad i don't like that i don't like it either i don't like it um last touching point i guess uh yep last little thing uh ads on jerseys i don't think it's this year but next Uh. year right no, I think it is this year. Is it? Ugh, F in the chat. Which, <laughs> we we all knew it was coming. Um, yeah. And... Once the train starts, you can't really stop it. And it started right. with helmets last year, so... Which, honestly, I did not mind at all. Because at least the ads made sense for the teams. And are we going to have helmet ads and jersey ads? Because if we do yeah, that, no. then what's going to separate... What's going to separate us from the European leagues that, like, their jersey is just ads? Not a thing. We are on a snowballing avalanche. That's that's what's happening. That is what's happening. And I understand that it's from a business standpoint. Like, I know that owners shelled out a lot of money for the COVID season. I get that. Sure. I understand that it is that. But also, I'm tired of it always being a money grab. (laughs) I'm so sick of it. I'm just tired. Um, so basically, it's a three inch by three and a half inch space on the opposite side of where the C goes. Um, so wherever the captain C is or the A or whatever, it'll go on the other side. So what happens during the Cup final? Great question. You still have the ad there. I don't know. I have no idea. Will they stack them? Will it be a shoulder patch thing? Now, okay, so here, I am, you, you know my love I, of I was going to let you kind of just go off for a second. You know my love of patches. I do. Um, not a- advertisement patches, but just patches in general. So Yeah, but like I, specialty, I, like the, the Believe or the yeah. series stuff. Yes. Yeah. So, I, I mean, maybe, I don't know, maybe the, they'll grow, because they do this in the AHL, and honestly, I don't mind them. It's not, it doesn't take away from the jersey because it's it's one it's one patch, and it's just on the, on the opposite chest, so it's fine. And in the NBA, like I don't feel like it takes away from the game. Um, 
their ads make no sense for the teams. Um, I think Motorola sponsors three different NBA jerseys, which is ridiculous. Um, and But that's like the only spot that you can put an ad on an NBA jersey. To me, like out of all of the professional sports, there is no uniform more sacred than the hockey sweater. Yep. Like you can make an argument. Who cares about a basketball jersey? Football jerseys are, I mean, they get torn to shreds. Um, and maybe baseball, maybe baseball jerseys, just because of the nation. Can you imagine pass. somebody putting an ad on a Yankees jersey? They would die. They'd get killed. <laughs> the entire city of New York would just combust. But you have. Anyways, continue. You have a hundred. You have a 80, 81 games, and probably, no, I, I understand yeah. the revenue is very, very different. Yeah. I get that. I'm just or like thinking hypothetically. Why not utilize more ice space? Why not utilize um, the helmet a little bit more? Because I don't think anybody ever complained about the helmet advertisements because at least they made sense with like the areas that they were in. And the color scheme. Yeah. Like and, that's what I'm worried about. Like are we going to have like an orange Little Caesars on our... Potentially. I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. I'm not a fan. I don't like it. It's not okay. No, I know. And it, it's going to be annoying. And maybe some backlash will help. But, like, put it on the, the pants or something like yeah, that. Yeah, put it put it on the shorts. Yeah. Like, like don't just... don't put it, don't put it, I mean, obviously, oh, like, uh, we got to have it in the most prime spot for people to look at it. Yes, okay, but it's also just going to, like, you want, I guess any press is good press, but, like, people are going to resent these if they're just too outrageous and massive. And especially if you do more advertisement space. Yeesh. Yikes. Mm-hmm. We're going to start looking like blocky green and white Yeah. European League jerseys. But as, as long as there's a stop, I don't think there will be any fan backlash. But if it keeps going, then... I'm... Okay, Yikes. here's a question. Do Are you somebody who would buy the jersey with that patch on it? You know, I have a couple NBA jerseys with the patches on it, solely because, like... Because it's more authentic or whatever, right? Not not even authentic, but like it was just that was what was available. And, yeah. Um, if like I have a Griffin's jersey, I don't have the Amway patch for it. I don't really care in that regard. But if it was like a Cup final or like the last year at the Joe and it had all the specific, yeah, I would need it to be to the exact specifications. Yeah. So, I, yeah, I don't I don't know why that's not a bigger thing for me. It's just me being a Jersey guy, but it just it just isn't. So. Now, if it was oh. the wrong ad, then that would be... Okay, so what are some of the worst ads that could go on a Red Wings jersey? Both home and away. <laughs> I feel like... <laughs> like... Like, what do you mean worst? Like, what would be the worst company logo that you can put on a Red Wings jersey in terms of, like, aesthetic? Pornhub. Okay. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> correct. That is the, that's the correct answer. Uh, yep. I guess we don't have to move on. Um, I think Pepsi would be really bad. Yeah, Pepsi would kind of be gross. I also Coca- think the Little Caesar logo would be bad. Coca-Cola would be really cool. Coke would be fun. I could deal with Coke. We just need logos that match the color scheme. Yeah. And, and the overall vibe, which is very much old and boxy with a little bit of swoop. Yeah, so Coca-Cola is your ad. There it is. Perfect. Coke, get on it. Well, and it would never be Pepsi because... Uh, because they C- have, yeah. 
Yeah, they have a contract. So right, I do know that. <laughs> honestly, it I could very well see it being Little Caesars, which makes no so sense. I'm it's so just, mad about it, and I, that's why I was like, "Why are you naming it Little Caesars Arena? You own the company that is sponsoring your. You don't. I don't know. You I don't truly, need I don't to know. do it. You don't like. What do you get? Because it's just a money, it's just a circle of money. It's not like they're is, getting extra revenue for the advertising or like the space rental or the. That's team. what I'm saying. That's yeah, what no, I'm I saying. No, I know what you're saying, but like, I'm just expounding on that. Like, I don't know. I don't know. I, it makes no sense. I don't get it. I don't like it. Also, it, every time I want to get mad, I just look at the side by side comparison between the reality of the top of Little Caesars and uh, the mock up yeah. of Little Caesars. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you've not seen it, currently there's a giant Little Caesars man on it with the with the logo and like their logo. The mock up was this beautiful red Red Wings like massive crystal, logo, crystal yeah. like whatever. Yeah, like gorgeous windows on top, backlit with red. It was beautiful. When I saw that for the first time before Little Caesars was a thing, I was like, that's it. That's perfect. I love this arena already. I'm not even, haven't seen any other pictures. And then I saw the, like, the drone shot or whatever, and it was like, and this is our reality. Broken promises. Yep, exactly. Well, we gotta, we gotta bring this home. Cause we, we, gotta, gotta, we gotta wrap it up. We, we talked for a long time. We're close we to did. our... We're close to our longest uh, episode ever, I feel. Our longest episode was an hour 48. Wow. And that okay. was the sexual yeah, assault one. That's what I thought. But for a regular episode, I think Brecken, when she was on, that one went yeah, really that one long. Went longer. Um, but I think between the two of us, this is the longest that we've had. So we're third place. Go team. Br- bronze medal. Bah. Perfect. All right. Thank you, everybody, so much for listening. Um, we apologize again for the long gap. We will be back next week. Um, like and subscribe on whatever platform you're using to listen to us. Um, we really appreciate you rating us five stars. Uh, it helps boost our reach to other people. Follow us on socials, on Twitter, and on Instagram. We love you all. We thank you for listening. Have a great rest of your day. Deuces. Hey everybody, this is Noelle. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the CNC Replay. Please subscribe and rate us five stars as it really helps us out. And give us a follow on Instagram and Twitter at CNC Sports Pod. We'll see you next week.